Al-Imam Al-Ghazali Rahimallahu Ta'ala Abu Hamid Muhammad Al-Ghazali Rahimallahu The author of Ihyaw Ulum al-Din Who passed away in the year 505 He says that the study of one mas'ala Meaning one question of fiqh Jurisprudence, learning something Is greater than standing up all night Worshipping Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala With the nawafi supererogatory prayer That if people stand all night Worshipping Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and another person just memorizes a verse of Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem or a hadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or the answer to a question that person will attain a higher rank than someone who just worshipped Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala throughout the night. This is the virtue of an alim. What ilm is meant here? Al-Imam Junaid Al-Baghdadi Rahimahullah Ta'ala said that our knowledge, this knowledge, meaning the knowledge of tasawwuf, which people call Sufism today, is muqayyad, limited to al-kitab wa sunnah, the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is why Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimahullah ta'ala said, whoever does not memorize the Qur'an, and does not write down the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then he is not from the Sufi path. He is not from the people of this way. Based upon this, we have Sufism today in the 21st century where people are claiming the Sufi path. Yet, when we read the reports of the ancestors, the forefathers, of the people of the Sufi path we find a great contradiction between what the forefathers of the Sufi path have said and between what people are claiming is Sufism today and this is what has led many people away from even acknowledging real Sufism real tasawwuf that in previous times people people knew that there was a form of charlatans a group of people who pretended to be Sufis but at the same time they knew that there is such a thing known as Ihsan which the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught in the hadith of Sayyiduna Jibreel Alayhi Salam the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكَ that you worship Allah as if you see Him and if you do not see Him then know He sees you this summarizes the entire concept of what tasawwuf now some people have a problem with the name if we use other names like tazkiyah purification or even the name ihsan the science of beautification ihsan what Sayyiduna Jibreel alayhi salam said mal ihsan what is ihsan what is the action of beautifying and the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said an ta'abud Allah ka'annaka tarahu fa'in lam takun tarahu fa'innahu yiraq this is the definition of Ihsan. So in every century, Muslims accepted the concept of Ihsan and the science of Tazkiyah, which later became known as Sufism. But what happened over time is that people moved away from the true authentic meaning of Sufism and innovated different innovations, bid'at. This was summarized by one of the scholars of the Sufis who said that the Sufis or claimants to tasawwuf, mutasawwifa, the claimants to tasawwuf are divided into three categories. One category of people who are only there to eat. They would only want to consume food. A second category of people who are only there for rasum. What is rasum? Culture. Cultural habits and practices. And a third group of people who establish the real meaning of tasawwuf, which is acting upon Kitabullah and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If we look at this and we analyze the Sufi claimants today, we will also note that what the early Sufi masters said was that any Sufi order that only talks about the karamat, miracles of their shaykh and does not emphasize Quran and does not emphasize the hadith then such a silsila is uh, such a Sufi order is not a real Sufi order they mentioned this that if you join a Sufi group and all you learn in the group 
is that the shaykh performed this miracle and the shaykh performed that miracle and there is no emphasis on memorizing the Quran. There is no emphasis on memorizing the ahadith of the Messenger of Allah and practicing the Quran and hadith. There is no emphasis on prayer in congregation. There is no emphasis on hijab between the man and woman. There is no emphasis on sharia and law. Then such Sufism is not real Sufism. These Sufi groups in the 21st century are those groups that have violated and abused the name of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah and also the real meaning of Tasawwuf and Sufism. How? For instance, we know of the story that was related prior to me regarding a Shaykh Abdul Qadir al Jilani that a woman left a child in his madrasa to learn and the child was eating the dry bread and the mother complained and the Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani was eating from a chicken and then by way of miracle which is known as karama he revived the chicken and the chicken became alive this story was related how can a Sufi in the 21st century relate to this story or how do certain Sufi leaders abuse such stories how they will abuse such stories is that the Sufi Shaykh the claimant to being a Sufi guide today will live a luxurious lifestyle he will take money from his students, the aspirants. And the true sign of a real Sufi Shaykh is that he does not live off the earnings of his murids. Al-Imam Abdul Wahab al-Sha'rani, rahimahullah ta'ala states that the Sufi guide who tours different places of the world and takes money from his aspirants and from people does not have a higher rank than those who give him the money. Why? Because the one giving him the money is earning his own living. But this claimant to tasawwuf is taking the money of other people. So in this 21st century tasawwuf that we have today, a person will have murids. In some cases they will sit and the murids will just throw money on them. And they will gather the money and take the money and go. When they are asked regarding this, they may even cite this miracle of a Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani radiallahu anhu and say, when this, uh, the woman left a child with the Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani radiallahu anhu, the child was eating from a dry piece of bread. And a Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani radiallahu anhu was eating from a chicken. But what they won't mention is the second half that a Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani radiallahu anhu revived the chicken and made the chicken come back to life. So that second part you will never see. But you will always hear the mentioning of the first part. So they may mention certain anecdotes that the dunya is in the hand and not in the heart. So the dunya is in the hand and not in the heart. Of course the early Sufi masters did say this. The dunya is in the hand and not in the heart. But how do we measure that the dunya is not in the heart of this individual? How can we measure this? This cannot be measured except by knowing that this Sufi Shaykh firstly must have knowledge of Al-Quran Al-Kareem and knowledge of the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Ahadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and secondly Amal, action on Al-Quran Al-Kareem and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is why we know of the famous story of Abu Yazid al-Bistami rahimallah when he went to visit a man who they claimed was from the awliya, from the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happened? He saw the man flying and what did he do? He saw the man flying but at the same time the man spat in the direction of the Kaaba. So Imam Abu Yazid al-Bistami rahimallah said even a fly can fly, meaning a fly, a household fly can fly. But grasping onto the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa is what makes a person a man of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the problem is that in every field of Islam that we have, a person needs to learn a certain amount of knowledge. For instance in aqidah, in belief, if you do not learn your basic belief, 
you can become misguided. Meaning, if someone didn't learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who creates all actions, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates my and your actions, and a person believes he is creating his own actions, he can fall into disbelief. Because he has not learned sharia and not learned aqidah, belief, he can fall into disbelief due to jahl ignorance. In the same way in fiqh, jurisprudence, if a person does not learn the shara'it, the conditions of salah, like tahara, the purification of the place, of the clothes, of the body, and the direction of the qibla, and the awqat, the times must be correct, and the number of rak'at, the number of cycles, a person can be praying salah, but his salah will be incorrect. In the same way, there is knowledge of ihsan, of the science of ihsan, which is essential on every Muslim to know. Meaning, there are things which they should know prior to delving into ihsan. But before going into Sufism, a person must know regarding aqidah, belief and sharia, fiqh. If he does not have knowledge of sharia and aqidah, by entering into the Sufi path, he necessarily he will not learn anything relating to belief and fiqh. So many people feel the need to find the Sufi path today. But when they enter a Sufi order, instead of learning Sharia and Aqidah, instead of learning correct belief and instead of learning Sharia, the Islamic law, they end up in a group or an organization which then controls their time, controls their organization, controls their life, but they do not find what they were looking for. And after this, it, it becomes impossible for them to leave. And even if they leave, sometimes they may end up suffering from mental illnesses. So many of them end up leaving a false Sufi guide when they, f when they find out he was not real. They leave, but because they do not go for psychiatric help, they end up with mental issues. Why is this? Because some of the Sufi orders emphasize dreams and visions more than Sharia and the knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah. So when someone joins one of these groups, they will emphasize to him dreams that the Sufi Shaykh saw this dream and this aspirant, this murid saw this dream. This will be so emphasized that sometimes people may even fool themselves into thinking that they are seeing those visions and dreams. Sometimes they can fool their mind into thinking they are seeing visions and dreams. So if they go to the gathering of the shaykh, they may say, can you see the light emanating from his face, meaning physical, actual light. And the person may fool his mind into thinking, yes, I can see the physical light emanating from his uh, face. And when they exercise their mind like this, when they end up leaving these groups, they may end up with mental illnesses. But why did they end up leaving the group with mental illnesses? Because they did not cover the bases in the first place. What should they have covered? They should have learned correct belief and sharia, meaning the Islamic law. If a person does not learn Islamic law, then he will be open to abuse from Sufi charlatans today. Meaning, we know that hijab between a man and woman is fart. Hijab between a man and woman is fart. If a person does not know that hijab between a man and woman is fard, or does not practice this, when he gives oath of allegiance to a Sufi shaykh who does not practice hijab between the man and woman, and that Sufi shaykh may have women in his gatherings sitting close to him, and in some cases even kissing his hand, and then you hear stories of abuse and sexual abuse that takes place in these groups, who is to blame? The murid, the, the person who gave the oath of allegiance is to blame. Why? Because he did not learn the knowledge of Sharia in the first place. Meaning, he should have learned regarding Aqidah, correct belief, and also regarding Sharia. In the same way, belief also, that a person may have misguided beliefs, that in reality he may even proclaim to be a prophet. In some cases, some people who pretend to be Sufi guides, what do they do? They start claiming miracles and in some cases they start 
claiming false beliefs. So the person gives the oath of allegiance. Sometimes this is due to peer pressure because of the people around them. All their circle of friends have given oath of allegiance to this particular Sufi guide. So they feel pressured to give the oath of allegiance to this Sufi guide and they give the oath of allegiance. Then they become boxed off in a group and are unable to see outside of the group. And in some cases the Shaykh may say some pronouncements which are false beliefs. But the person instead of rejecting these beliefs will attempt to inter- interpret the beliefs, false beliefs in accordance with Sharia but in reality the beliefs are incorrect. So these are some of the misguidance, uh, misguided behavior of Sufi groups today in the 21st century that we observe by which people are moving away from authentic Sufism. So what is authentic Sufism? And does authentic Sufism exist? Or is it something that we only read about in books? The response to this would be that the way we may read biographies of certain pious people only in books, but when we observe our society today, we only very rarely find pious people of such a caliber. In the same way, the Sufi, the real Sufi today is like the red sulfur. Why, why do they use this example of the red sulfur? In old folklore, they would claim that to convert metal into gold, the people would use red sulfur. So, in, in this knowledge which is uh, known as, ch- changing metal into gold is known as alchemy. So that's where the word uh, alchemia and uh, chemistry comes from. So, and that's how chemistry developed. But alchemy, of course, is uh, some people claim it's real, but other scholars reject it as a, as a real science. But nevertheless, they would claim that red sulfur was that which could convert g- metal into gold. So red sulfur was very difficult to attain. So the similitude of a real Sufi was the similitude of red sulfur. That the way red sulfur is very difficult to find, a real Sufi Sheikh is very difficult to find. Now in this regard, Sidi Ahmed Zarruq, rahimallahu ta'ala in his Qawaid al-Tasawwuf, and in his Umdatul Murid al-Sadiq, he states that he heard from some of the Arifin. The Arifin is generally translated as Gnostics in Mecca al mukarramah that they said that in the end times it will be difficult for a person to find a true guide. A true guide. Why? Because most of the Arifin, the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give the guidance in suluk to everyone. It, it will not be commonly available. They will only give this guidance to those who are able to take that guidance. So how does a person find a true guide in the end of times? They say that he must make the salawat and the salam upon the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi his true guide. But this is mashrut, meaning conditional. How is this conditional? It is conditional on two things. Number one, that the person must have the correct belief in the first place. And number two, the person must act upon the sharia of the Messenger of Allah Meaning, if a person has correct belief and a person acts upon the sharia, the way they can reach the maqam, the station of Allah is through the salawat and the salam, reciting salawat and salam, it will take him to that maqab, to that station. But it is conditional upon having correct belief and following sharia. This sometimes confuses some people in the modern Sufi orders. They think for you to practice sharia, you need a Sufi guide. Meaning, even to wake up for fajr prayer, for the dawn prayer, do you need a Sufi guide? The answer is no. What you need is willpower. The Sufi guide will not be with you when you need to act upon Sharia. That is your own free will which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. The Sufi guide, he guides you regarding the spiritual 
stations which a person experiences and he stops you from being misguided in those spiritual stations. This is the purpose of having a Sufi guide. But where do you learn Aqeedah and Sharia from? You learn it from the ulama, the scholars. And this is why the hadith states, Al-ulama that the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets so ulama of what ulama of quran and sunnah scholars of the quran scholars of the sunnah of the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam hal yastawil ladina ya'lamuna wal ladina la ya'lamun are those who know and those who do not know equal meaning a rhetorical question they are not equal they are different Meaning someone who has knowledge of the Qur'an and Sunnah is not the same as someone who does not have knowledge of the Qur'an and Sunnah. This is why I would say in 21st century Britain, any scholar, any person claiming to be a Sufi guide in this day and age, he will have a major responsibility. <laughs> Meaning you can question his credentials. His, question, his credentials are questionable by everyone. Because the credentials have been written out by the ulama, the scholars that anyone claiming to be a Sufi guide, he must fulfill these conditions. Therefore, a, a lay person must learn those conditions and apply those conditions. But there is a warning. The warning is of Sidi Ahmed Zarouq and others that they mention in the inside cover of their works that we place these signs in order that people can make a distinction between falsehood and truth. We do not place these signs in order that people use these signs in order to find faults with other Muslims. So the purpose of even having this discussion is not to find faults and blemishes with other Muslim groups or Muslim individuals. It is order in that we find guidance for ourselves in the 21st century. That how do we find guidance when there are so many people who are after wealth, power and women. So many people who are after these three things and worldly things, material things and use the name of religion, use the name of Islam, use the name of Sufism in order to acquire those things. How do we make a, a distinction between truth and falsehood? So like I said, the only way of doing this is by learning the knowledge of aqidah, belief and remember blind conformity in belief is impermissible. If you are able to learn and you continue blind following, then you become sinful. If you are able to learn and you continue blind following, you become sinful. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا تقف ما ليس لك به علم إن الصمع والبصر والفؤاد كل أولئك كان عنه مسؤولا Do not follow لا تقف مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ That which you have no knowledge of. Why? إِنَّ الصَّمَعَ Surely the hearing. وَالْبَصَرَ The sight. وَالْفُؤَادَ The heart. كُلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ All of those كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولَ Will be asked regarding knowledge. What did you learn? Meaning, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ You must know that لا إله إلا الله. Meaning knowledge is essential upon every Muslim. So a person must acquire correct knowledge of aqidah, correct knowledge of sharia. At this point, <coughs> some people object to this and say, the illnesses of the heart relate to the inward and a person can never know this except by joining a Sufi order. The illnesses of the heart can never be known except by joining a Sufi order. So my question is, the illnesses of the heart, the diseases of the heart, the sins of the heart, is this knowledge of fiqh or is it knowledge of ihsan? Which one of the two? If someone has takabur in his heart, arrogance in his heart, or hasad in his heart, envy in his heart, does this relate to fiqh or does it relate to ihsan? Which one? Who said fiqh? That is correct. It does not relate to ilmul ihsan. It relates to fiqh. Because what fiqh, jurisprudence is knowing what is halal and haram. 
who said halal and haram is limited to what your appendages your your limbs do or your tongue or your eyes it is also includes the heart and this is why great scholars have compiled books on the sins of the heart but even scholars like al hafiz ibn hajar makki al haythami rahimahullah ta'ala in his book al zawajir he in his book on sins he even compiled the sins of the heart as with the sins of the body so learning knowledge of the sins of the heart is nothing well we will say it is associated with tasawwuf because tasawwuf uh, sufism real sufism expects the aspirant to leave all sins this includes sins of the body and sins of the heart but not this trickery that some sufi groups do for instance what do i mean by trickery the sufi sheikh is sitting and the murid one by one is kissing his hand one person a normal person an average person comes in and he meets the sheikh but he doesn't kiss the hand he's not out of disrespect he just shakes hands so one of the murids will say to him why did you not kiss the hand of the sheikh do you have arrogance in your heart do you have takabbur in your heart now who has fallen into the sin here the person who did not kiss the hand or the other person the sufi the so called sufi the pseudo sufi has fallen into a sin how because he is having bad thoughts regarding another muslim so like this so many groups today they may claim to be sufis but when you look at them with a critical eye you will realize that this is no tasawwuf this is not tasawwuf being taught this is just keeping people within a group uh, within a framework in order to keep the revenue of the peer or the sheikh uh, coming in and murids coming in because no su- real sufi will be about recruiting murids no real sufi no real sufi guide will be about recruiting of the murids yes a real sufi will give guidance to people he will be about tabligh uh, giving the message of al-islam but he will not be about controlling people In this day and age we have amongst the youth we have such groups that if someone joins a sufi group and on his facebook page he places the picture of another scholar from ahlus sunnati wal jamaah he will be getting a phone call and pressurized to have that picture taken down and they will tell him place the picture of your sheikh your peer do not place the picture of any of the sunni alim but this is not the mentality of ahlus sunnati wal jamaah of real sunni ulama because al-imam ahmad ridha khan rahimullah in his fatawa afriqa he mentions that in most of the bay'ah most of the oath of allegiance in our day and age are bay'ah of baraka a bay'ah of baraka not bay'ah of suluk so the bay'ah of suluk is very rare very rarely found and therefore the the normal average sunni must take his guidance from all the ulama of ahlus sunnati wal jamaah meaning do not limit yourself to one uh, sunni alim one group the, the doors of ahl sunnati wal jamaah are so broad that there are so many diverse opinions and diverse uh, groups within ahl sunnati wal jamaah that we are open to all of them as long as their creed is correct so in this regard when a person is in the end of times first obligation upon him is to learn his aqidah belief secondly is to learn his fiqh thirdly if he really feels the need to join a sufi group he must investigate that group he must look at the workings of that group but some people quote something which is man la shaykha lahu fa shaytanu shaykhuhu how many of you you have heard of this statement man la shaykha lahu whoever does not have a shaykh shaytan is his shaykh so many people placing their hands up how many of you think this is a hadith how many of you think this is a hadith of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam how many of you have been told this is a hadith again so many people well of course in many lectures i've mentioned that this is in fact not a hadith this is a statement of i think abu yazid al-bistami rahimallah also which has a context The context to the statement is that when a person has learned aqeedah 
correct belief has learned sharia and he enters the correct sufi path and he starts traversing the the spiritual states of suluk what are, what are the spiritual states and ta'bud allah ka'annaka tarahu fa in lam takun tarahu fa innahu yarak this is a hadith in the sahih which is authentic that you worship allah as you see him if you do not see him then know he sees you when a person starts experiencing this this is known as suluk he needs a spiritual guide to guide him in this if he does not have a spiritual guide then shaitan in some cases can misguide him and that is the story of a shaykh abdul qadir al jilani radiyallahu an which was mentioned that when he was worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he saw a vision of light and the voice a, a voice called out that you are no longer subservient to the sharia you do not need to pray and the shaykh abdul qadir al jilani radiyallahu an thought if i am not banned by sharia then how come great people like sayyiduna abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu an were banned by sharia so he recited something la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and the vision disappeared and it was in fact shaitan but then shaitan said to him your knowledge saved you and then he said in response that it was the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that saved me the point from this is that this if a person does not have a guide he could be misled this is the meaning of that statement man la shaykha lahu fa shaytanu shaykhu but this statement is exploited today by groups who recruit in order to recruit people they a person accepts islam or a muslim wants to start practicing islam meaning praying five times a day <coughs> and starts attending the masjid and associating with the wider community one of these groups will attempt to recruit him by reciting this statement oh you do not have a shaykh you must join a group if you do not join this group then shaitan will misguide you but in reality the scholars have said as long as a person is taking guidance from the ulama of ahl sunnati wal jamaah meaning all the ulama of ahl sunnati wal jamaah he cannot be misguided but saluk is for a specific group of people what group of people some scholars were so stringent they said the people of saluk are those people who know the four schools meaning they must know al madhahib al arba'a some scholars were this stringent but nevertheless the point being that those people who do saluk who traverse the sufi path the real sufi path must have a very high caliber very high caliber not only in knowledge but also in akhlaq and manners the manners of people of suluk must be very lofty unlike the manners of the claimants of sufism today how the manners of the claimants of sufism today are appalling how do you know if someone insulted their sheikh they would show violent behavior towards that individual isn't this true if someone said something regarding their sheikh they will become insulting towards that person and show violent behavior but when they hear insults on the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam or upon allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or upon the companions ali muridwan there is no reaction meaning if they hear rawafid insulting sayyiduna abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu anhu they will say okay they are rawafid leave them meaning they will always insult the companions we have no issue uh in dealing with them meaning they are people who will continue insulting but when they hear an insult on their sheikh they will use violent behavior so many incidents have happened not only in the uk but in other countries as well where murids of a sheikh have assaulted individuals or physically assaulted or verbally assaulted or have attacked individuals because they have criticized their sheikh but are these people learning real tasawuf or have they been brainwashed into a group which is using the name of real sufism the answer would be that they are being brainwashed into a group that is not preaching real sufism if you have been in a group for 20 years 30 years and you have not learned your essential islamic beliefs you have not learned your fiqh your uh, jurisprudence you have not learned the arkan the pillars of prayer the shara'it the conditions of prayer you have not learned the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then you are wasting your time
You're wasting your time in such a group. In some groups, it becomes more about the rasoom, the culture of the group, rather than Islam and Sharia itself. In other groups, it's so extreme that they break the bounds of Sharia by doing sajda, prostration to the, uh, to the peer. In certain cases, in Pakistan, this definitely happens where they circumambulate the graves. They do tawaf of the graves. And in some cases, they will go and tie knots on a grave and then they will make uh, what we call a minnat, which is uh, a vow, meaning once the vow is fulfilled, then they will go and open the, the cloth or the, the padlock. They will put a padlock on the grave and when the vow is fulfilled, they will go and open the padlock. And other weird uh, practices which are then associated with tasawwuf. So people begin, when people picture tasawwuf today, they think of uh, people who just dance in mosques, who dance in mosques, or people who do tawaf of graves, or who are obsessed with graves, who continuously kiss graves, who do sajda towards graves, or who just do insane practices. When in reality, we go back to the original saying of Imam Junaid, radiallahu ta'ala an, that he said, our path, meaning the real Sufi path, is limited by the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa In some cases, why people join these groups is in order to have a social uh, group, meaning a, a group of friends that they can associate with and practice the religion of Islam. So in some cases they will go to a gathering of dhikr, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and after the gathering of dhikr they will eat food, so it's a, a way of meeting up and eating food and socializing. This is fine, as long as a person does not fool himself into thinking he is a salik, he's a person of suluk. There is nothing wrong with associating with a group, a Sunni group, as long as you do not become deluded. When do you become deluded? If you start thinking the Shaykh is the ghoth of the time. But if someone went to the Shaykh and asked him to recite Suratul Fatiha, he would not be able to recite Suratul Fatiha correctly. This is the case. Or in so many cases, people think that they are doing saluk and they associate with the group for so long, they have not even learned a single verse of the Qur'an or the meanings of the Qur'an or the ahadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In such groups, in fact, people should learn the works of Al-Imam al-Nawwi like Arba'een of Al-Imam al-Nawwi, the 40 hadith of Al-Imam al-Nawwi rahimahullah ta'ala or a few uh, verses of the Qur'an from Juz Amma, from the last Juz of the Qur'an. Unfortunately, what makes the issue even worse is when people have jinn problems or when people have sihr, black magic. People who have jinn and sihr tend to be easy prey for uh, people like uh, Chuf Chuf Beer, I'm sure everyone knows of him, who comes to the UK regularly. When people go to him with their ailments, with their problems of jinn and with their problems of sihr, then what happens? is that these people are enticed into the group and people will say, yes, they do not charge money. Yes, they do not charge money because it is better for them not to charge money because they recruit the person. Once you recruit the individual, then you can take even his house away from him. Never mind 20 pound or 40 pound. You can take his house away from him once he gives the oath of allegiance. So in all of this, People ask them, what is the solution? Because people need an environment, a group to associate with, to learn Islam, to learn Ihsan. Like I said, and I will go back to my initial point, that if you associate with the wider Muslim community, the wider Sunni community, you will benefit much more if you limit yourself to a group. How? If you attend the gatherings of all the Sunni ulama, Meaning, whenever there is a speech of a scholar from Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, you attend that speech and benefit, and you associate with all the Sunni masajid. Meaning, whichever Sunni masjid is local to you, 
or whichever Sunni masjid is in that locality or in any area you associate with them and you work with them. But the day you limit yourself to a group or a uniform as well, in some cases, Al-Hafidh Ibn Hajar Al-Haytami Al-Makki Rahimullah. He has a book called Al-Fatih Al-Mubin, which is a commentary on the Arba'een of Imam Al-Nawawi Rahimullah. Under the hadith of Sayyidatuna Aisha radiallahu anha, Man ahdatha fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu, fahuwa raddun. Whoever innovates into this religion of ours, <coughs> that which is not from this religion, then that action is rejected. This is one of the hadith of the Arba'in. What does this hadith refer to? This hadith refers to practices which have no origin in the Quran and the Sunnah. If a practice has no origin from Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then that practice is rejected. <coughs> One of those practices, Al-Hafidh Ibn Hajar Al-Makki Rahimallah mentions is sticking to one uniform for Sufi orders. That certain Sufi orders, they stick to one uniform and they make that uniform essential on all the aspirants of that Sufi order. He says this is one of the rejected innovations, one of the bid'at, an innovation in the religion. But in today's day and age, unfortunately, unfortunately, in majalis of people who say we are Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah, you will find that different Sunnis will be wearing different uniforms, different color scarves, different color hats, and become divisive amongst the Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah. When in reality, there should be no division. Now some people ask, the Haramain, Makkah al-Mukarramah, look, in Makkah al-Mukarramah, they say, they complain, that the Wahhabis are ruling Makkah al-Mukarramah. Of course, they are ruling, meaning they are, at the moment, they are custodians of the Haramain. But imagine if one of these Sufi sheikhs was the custodian of the Haramain. How will they behave in the Haram? That when they go to visit the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even in front of the Arroda to Sharifa, in front of the Muwajaha of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa you find some of these Sufi sheikhs walking in with their murids, with an entourage of murids. How can you walk in front of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa with an entourage of murids? This is totally against the adab, the manners of visiting Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we met would go to a Rauda to Sharifa alone. No one would know who they are. They would go and give their salam. But today, I have witnessed with my own eyes that they go in with an entourage of people in order to show their presence that they are also within the vicinity of a Rauda to Sharifa. Or in front of Al-Ka'batul Musharrafa, you will find people wearing different uniforms going in together in order to show their presence. No, this is not the way that Muslims should behave. This is very divisive. So this is one of the problems which the Sufi groups have caused amongst the Sunni community as well as the Muslim community at large. A, a, a stereotype and a divisiveness that has caused so many divisions amongst Muslims. But again, this is not real Sufism. In order to understand real Sufism, people need to go back to Al-Quran Al-Kareem and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the question is, how do we resolve this problem? The response to this is how we resolve this problem. Firstly, the ulama need to take a stance. If we have within the UK ulama who become subservient to Chuchu Peer and other peers, then ulama will not have any status and people will never take them serious. An alim who can teach Tadribul Rawi, an alim who can teach Tadribul Rawi, who can teach Al Hidayah of Al Marghinani, should never be under the guidance of a jahil, an ignorant man who cannot even recite Al Quran al Karim correctly. But in the UK, we have this. 
We have jahil, ignorant peers who cannot even recite Al-Quran Al-Kareem correctly, but because they have all the funds, because they have all the funds which their ignorant murids give them, the scholars become subservient to them in order to attain a, li- a living, to earn a living. In order to earn a living, a man who may have studied 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, is under the guidance of that jahil, and therefore the people will say, if that peer was a false peer, then this alim would speak against him. But how can that alim speak against him when he needs to earn a livelihood and earning for his family? This is one of the first problems that we have. That the leadership has gone into the hands of jail peers, meaning ignorant peers who cannot even recite the Quran correctly. If you think I'm saying the wrong thing, then go and check their recitation of the Quran. Go and listen to their recitation of the Quran. Even ask them the, the shara'it and arkan of salah, they will not know the shara'it and arkan of salah. But they will have 20, 40, 100 murids following them. So the ulama of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah need to take a strong stance against peers. Like some of them have taken a strong stance on Natkhwa, people who sing Nat and uh, uh, do all this drama on, on the stage. But this, the greater problem is the jahil peers, that they are misguiding the community. Not only are they misguiding the community, they keep the children of those people also subservient and dumbed down. Meaning, you will never find a person who is from these families, who come from these families, that may have a picture of their peer on the wall. And when the peer rings, they will take off their shoes. They behave like this. When the peer will ring, they'll take off their shoes, they'll have a picture. When Mufti Ahmad Yar Khan Naimi, rahimullah ta'ala, in his commentary, Mir'atul Manajih and Mishkatul Musabih, he mentions that placing a picture of your peer out of venerance, uh, venerating his picture is shirk. Mufti Ahmad Yal Khan Naimi, Rahmanullah Ta'ala, in Mir'atul Manajih. But if they behave like this, their children also start behaving like this. And then they become lazy to learn ilm. They do not want to learn in because all their lives they have been told Peer Saab will save you on Day of Judgment. This is what they have been told. When they are told Peer Sahib will save you on the Day of Judgment, this in fact is a sign of misguidance because they do not know whether Peer Sahib himself will die in Iman or not. They do not know whether Peer Sahib himself will die on Iman or not. But we know the Messenger of Allah will intercede for his Ummah. So no one should despair, meaning my intercession is for the people of major sins from my nation. If you're a major sinner, you have the shafa'ah of Sayyiduna Rasulullah So why despair? Why do you think you need to have this peace sahib uh, to, in order to save you when peace sahib himself does not know whether he will be saved or not? Secondly, they do not see a need to learn them because Peer Sahib does everything for them. Meaning, if we need to know an issue of Aqeedah, we go to Peer Sahib. If we not need to know an uh, issue of Fiqh, we go to Peer Sahib. Even though the Peer himself will not have knowledge of Aqeedah and Sharia. He will just give his opinion. Whatever comes into his mind, he will give that opinion. Meaning his opinion will not be based on the Quran and the Sunnah and, and the Madahid Arba'ah, the four schools, the Hanafi school and the other schools. He will give his own opinion. So therefore, the first stance, as I said, is that the ulama of Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah in the UK need to take a stance that the funds that our Sunni awam, our Sunni public has been giving these beers for 30, 40 years, these funds should be reappropriated into the correct hands. To this day, none of these beers have established a major university in the UK. Yet they all have funds to establish one major university. Why in the UK do the Sunni community not have a major university? We have the funds. We know our community has the funds. We do not have a single major university, yet these peers are able to do this. But why do they not want to do this? Because if the public becomes learned, then the public does not remain with you. You will not be able to do your Milad marches with uh, 30,000 women. You will not be able to do that. If the public is learned, because they do not want to, if they become learned, they do not want to follow a jahil peer. 
They will have leadership which is learning. So the ulama of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah need to take a stance if they want real change. Secondly, the public themselves need to start learning knowledge of the Quran and knowledge of the Sunnah. They need to start memorizing verses of the Quran. A hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So many of our people are able to recite poetry which is mubah and in some cases mustahab, recommended. But why is there no emphasis on memorizing hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? In our madrasa, in Al-Amraq, we teach min sihahil ahadith al-qisar, which is 300 short hadith. Young, young children from the age of 10, you attended as well. Do you remember when the children were reciting hadith? Young, young children were able, this brother attended Aqidah Dars, they were able to recite the hadith and tell which, where the hadith, which sahabi, they know which sahabi narrated it, where is the hadith found in Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi. This is the kind of education we need. If you are not receiving this education from your peer sahib, or your shaykh, or your tariqah, remember even in some cases the shaykh may be learned himself, but the murids remain jahil. In some cases, the shaykh himself may be learned, but the murids remain jahil. They remain ignorant and they stay in their groupthink. So these are the certain reforms that are needed amongst Ahl Sunnati wal Jama'ah in this time. And the topic of my lecture was Sufism in the 21st century. What should Sufism in the 21st century be? It should be a return back to Al Quran al Kareem, the Ahadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and a third thing which makes a distinction between us and deviants is Al-Madhahib Al-Arba'ah the four schools of the Salaf who is the real Salafi? the real Salafi is the one who follows the four Imams because they were from As-Salaf Al-Salihun and I would recommend everyone to read books like Al-Risalat Al-Qushayriyah Al-Risalat Al-Qushayriyah has real Tasawwuf real Sufism, which was a book written just after the period of As-Salafu Salihun. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to act upon what has been said. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala change the mentality of our community, not to make it a mentality of just doing Giyarni Sharif with no learning. Meaning, these young boys who have done Hifthul Quran, I would encourage them to study with their local ulama, to learn Arabic language, to learn Hadith, to learn, now you know the Quran, learn the Qiraat, learn the Tafsir, the commentary to the Quran, learn the Fiqh, books of Fiqh, Hanafi Fiqh, learn the books of jurisprudence. And those in our community who have not done this, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable you and me to learn our religion correctly. Yeah. Yeah.